Hey there, guys. So thanks for listening. This is a uh, new segment that I'm doing. It's called Random Rewatch. Um, and basically what I wanted to do was go back and look at movies that I haven't seen in a long time. I don't know, kind of rediscover them. And so this is a way to do that. What I'm going to be doing is uh, I have a uh, random number generator that's going to generate a random year between 1978 and 2003. And then whatever year gets picked, I am going to go into uh, Wikipedia and look at the films that were out that year and pick one that I've seen before but that I haven't seen in a long time and rewatch it with fresh eyes. You know, over the last 10 years or so, um, and especially over the last five or so years that Randell and I have been doing this podcast, I've taken a lot of time diving into movies and learning a lot about things like production and, and uh, you know, how stories are created and how movies are made. And so I wanted to take that knowledge that I've, that I've learned and apply it to a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. Now, some of these are going to be movies that I used to like way back in the day, and I'm going to look at them and see if they actually hold up and if they, you know, are still a good movie in my eyes. Uh, some of them may be movies that I kind of dismissed and didn't really like all that much, and I'm going to look at them and see if I can find anything in them that, uh, you know, maybe raises them. And, but honestly, sometimes uh, a movie just sucks, and I will let you know if I think that this... Uh, Whatever movie that we're watching doesn't really hold up, and uh, and so that's it. Every you know, I may decide at some point to have some people on. Maybe Rendell and I will do this, or maybe Justin and I will do this, or or you know another guest that we have on, especially if it's somebody that I know that really likes a particular movie. I may ask them to come on with me. So I'm really looking forward to doing this, and. Um, rediscovering some movies so let's dive right into it so the first year that um i picked out was or that i didn't pick out that that google picked out was 1995 and there were a lot of good choices in that year um you know some great movies that came out that are movies that i've seen a lot of you know um Things like Apollo 13, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I actually just watched like two weeks ago. Bad, the original Bad Boys, Seven, Jumanji, you know, the original Jumanji, Batman Forever. Probably the less we talk about that, the better. Um, there was a couple, though, that I haven't seen in a long time, and I was thinking about revisiting Tommy Boy and what was the other one that I was thinking? GoldenEye. I haven't actually watched GoldenEye in probably 15 years, if not longer. Um, but the one that I, I kind of settled on is, oh, 12 Monkeys was another one that I was really on the fence about, um, because I did not like that movie, and I remember not liking that movie, and I haven't watched it in, you know, probably 20 years, if not more, and I did like the, there was a TV series, uh, 12 Monkeys, that kind of dove more into the sci-fi side of it, um, so I was kind of on that one, but uh, what I landed on was Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects, and I know that's a, um, you know, that may be for some a controversial pick, um, mainly because of all the problems that Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey have had over the last, let's call it five, six, seven years, 
with, you know, allegations of wrongdoing on their part. And, you know, so one of the reasons that I was kind of drawn to it and, and thought about it was this idea of can we can we separate a piece of art from the person who created it, even if that person or persons turns out to be a monster? Does the art stand on its own? And this is a question that's been going around in the film world for a long time, especially after the the prevalence of the Me Too movement and, you know, how a lot of people have turned out to be not great people. And, you know, but it goes all the way back to, like, you know, Roman Polanski. And you know, that's been a debate in Hollywood uh, for a long, long time. And, you know, do we look at the films of someone like Roman Polanski for the arguable masterpieces that they are, or do we look at them and go, no, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother with this. And it's a tough call. And I know that there is, um, I won't, I won't name it, but I know, I know there is a particular actor, um, in Hollywood who was very popular in films, uh, through the eighties and nineties and a lot of whose films that, I really enjoyed, and I found them to be like really, really great films that I really loved watching. And then I had the occasion to to personally witness this actor, um, this big actor, in person on several occasions, in you know, uh, in a social setting or in in restaurants and this guy is an absolute piece of garbage and treats everyone around him, at least at that point, you know, treated everybody around him like they were basically subhuman. And that really tarnished this person's filmography for me. And I have a very difficult time going back to films that I used to love and enjoying them because I just know what's behind it. And it's, I, I will entirely allow that it's possible that that person has changed, although I have, that person is still working. Um, and I continue to hear pretty bad things about them. Um, and, but that's, you know, that's a personal thing to me, you know, something that I personally witnessed. You know, I never witnessed Brian Singer do anything. I never witnessed Kevin Spacey do anything. And that's not to, to minimize, um, what they may have done to somebody else. And it's, I've heard terrible things about it, but I think it's, you know, it's a lot different if it's you or somebody, you know, um, versus some abstract idea of somebody who did something in the past. And especially, you know, situations like with Kevin Spacey, like as an actor, I can appreciate Kevin Spacey as a really great actor. And there's a lot of things that he's done that I really, really love. I mean, Margin Call is one of my favorite movies, and he has a big piece of it. And, yeah, there's always this little twist when you look at it and you see him, and it's like, oh, man, you know, should I be watching this? Um, but then you get lost in, in the film, you know. And Brian Singer certainly has got a filmography that I have, you know, respected over the years. I mean, I love the original X-Men movie, NX2, and, you know, he's, he's been, he's done some stuff that, that I really enjoy, and I really like, and, um, you know, just focus on Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie, Christopher McQuarrie has read, uh, sorry, he wrote this film, 
and uh, we'll just call it a Christopher McQuarrie film. You know, he uh, he's a guy who's done who's written a lot of great stuff. Valkyrie with Tom Cruise was a good movie that he wrote. Jack Reacher, which he directed. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, which is another Tom Cruise movie that I that I really love. And then he's directed the last four, well, the last three, and then upcoming four um, Mission Impossible movies. And uh, he also wrote Top Gun Maverick. So, you know, this is a guy that uh, that I really like some of his work. He was a uncredited writer on, um, I want to say he was an uncredited writer on Rogue One. He was, uh, he did some, work on the Wolverine, he did some work on Ghost Protocol, he did some work, he's not a credited writer, but he did some work on the original X-Men. So, so he's a great writer. Um, so let's get into it, let's get into this movie and um, see what we think about the usual suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. All right, you all know the drill. And that was how it started. Five of us being brought in on a trumped-up charge to be leaned on by half-wits. Number one, step forward. It didn't make sense that I'd be there. I mean, these guys were hardcore hijackers. Answer my question. Can you hit me in the back? Hello? What the cops never figured out, and what I know now, was that these men would never break, never bend over for anybody. You gonna charge me? You don't put guys like that into a room together. Let's get back to the truck. Who knows what can happen? I figure we owe it to ourselves to salvage a little dignity. Me and Fenster heard about a little job. My employer requires your services, gentlemen. One job, one day's work. Very dangerous. So apparently this film came about, um, Kevin Spacey had met Brian Singer at a party, and I guess we're all glad we weren't at that party. But, um... And apparently had really liked uh, Singer's first movie, Public Access, and had suggested that perhaps they want to work together. I think it was uh, at Sundance that they had met. And um, Singer had um, this kind of idea in his head. He had read a column in Spy Magazine that was called The Usual Suspects, and he liked the term. And, of course, that phrase comes from... um, the movie Casablanca and a very famous line um, at the end of that movie or in the middle of that movie by uh, Claude Rains. Major Strasser has been shot. Round up the usual suspects. And so he started to build a story about that and him and Macquarie um, came up with this idea uh, I guess Macquarie had had another story that he was working on or that he was kind of kicking around about five criminals who come together, get called into the same police lineup, and then wind up going off and, and doing a job together. And they kind of combine the idea um, of that story with Brian Singer's idea, uh, you know, title of The Usual Suspects, and... and I guess there was, uh, they, they rewrote the story like nine times and then they started shopping it around and, uh, the, the idea of, um, 
the main character, Kaisa Soza, Soze, um, came from a person uh, in New Jersey who was an accountant in New Jersey. Uh, his name was John List, and he uh, murdered his family and then disappeared, assuming a false identity, and became kind of an urban legend. And so they kind of put that into this uh, into this movie as well. And of course, the whole the whole you know. So if you've never seen this movie, this movie is basically about these five guys who come together. They they are in the uh, they are in a police lineup, and it talks about their interaction um, and how they come to pull a job together. And it's told through the story. It's told through the viewpoint of Kevin Spacey's character. Um, he plays a character named uh, Verbal uh, because he talks a lot. Uh, Verbal Kent, and he is relaying the story uh, to a police detective who is played by Chaz Palminteri uh, about a murder, um, about a boat that blew up, a, a, a freighter that blew up, and there were and killed a bunch of people. And this takes place. the The story is nonlinear. It takes place. There's a lot of time jumps. Um, it takes place over uh, a period of time, but it's told out of order. So there's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of jump aheads. There's some retellings of, of parts of stories from different points of view. And Verbal is telling um, Chaz Palminteri's character this, uh, this story about how this happened. And But then we go back and we see flashbacks about how things really happened versus how he's telling them. And the overarching theme about this is that there is this like kind of criminal mastermind who this legendary criminal mastermind named Kaiser Soze, who um, apparently killed his family and then disappeared, but then has been running things in the underworld for a long time. And each one of these five guys has unwittingly, uh, stolen from Kaiser Soze over the years, and now he is giving them the opportunity to make restitution by coming together and doing a job for him, where they are going to steal something from one of his rivals. That's basically kind of the plot of the movie. Um, and this character of Kaiser Soze kind of hangs over the whole thing as being a very dangerous person, and somebody who could just reach out and kill them at the drop of a hat or do or kill their families or whatever. And so this plot starts to unravel. They are approached. So so your characters are, are you know, Kevin Spacey as Verbal Kent, as I said. You have um, Gabriel Byrne, who plays a character named Keaton. Um, you have Stephen Baldwin, uh, who plays a character named McManus. Benicio Del Toro, who plays a character named Fenster, and Kevin Pollock, who plays a character named Hockney. And they all have different things that they bring to, to life. And the, the funniest part about this is, so there's this whole, this whole question throughout the movie of who is Kaiser Soze. And is Kaiser Soze actually a character in the movie and they, none of them know about it? Or is Kaiser Soze kind of this off-stream character? The funny part about this, and I will... I guess I will spoil this, you know, almost 30-year-old movie. Kevin Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze, and Verbal is a 
uh, in a, an assumed identity. The funny part about this is, is throughout the production of this, most of the actors were convinced that it was Keaton, Gabriel Byrne's character. Even Gabriel Byrne was convinced that he was Kaiser Soze. And he only found out, I want to say at the premiere, that it wasn't him. Um, due to some editing, I don't know if they shot alternates or whatever, but but apparently he was really mad that when he found out that he wasn't Kaiser Soze and basically walked out. I mean, it wasn't the premiere. I think it was maybe it was a screening. And uh, Brian Singer had to like kind of go chase him down and, and get him back in the room. But, um, yeah, so there's this whole question of, like, who is Kaiser Soze? And I will tell you that the reveal at the end of it is really kind of brilliant. The way that um, it's the way that it's figured out. And uh, Kujin, who is Chaz Palmateri, you know, he's sitting there and he's looking around. So, so basically they have... They have Verbal is in this room at the he's at the police station and he's telling the story. He's at the, he's at Kuja's desk and he's telling the story. And then they let him, you know, they let him go. And you know, Kuja starts looking around the room and seeing things like, you know, a name on a, a like a name on a calendar or, you know, a book on a shelf or the brand name of, of the coffee cup. And just all these little things and realizing that these are all elements in the story that Verbal has just told him and that he was literally making up the entire story as he went along. And that that must mean that he's actually Kaiser Soze. And then he goes and he chases him out and obviously he doesn't doesn't get him. He's already disappeared. Um, the interaction between these guys is actually really great. And... There's one scene where they're all in a jail cell and they're just kind of getting to know each other and trying to figure out who's what. Um, Benicio del Toro, his character, Fencer, um, you know, he's the, I think he's the first one to get killed. And he realized when he took the role, he realized it was a really short role. So he, like, developed this verbal tick um, the way that he spoke. And that was to, to make, in his mind, that made his character more memorable. Otherwise, he would have just been like almost a cameo. Um, these are these are great actors. I mean, you've got five really great actors, six really great actors, you know, who are in this, and it's really a big ensemble piece. It's really them all playing off of their strengths. Look, I I understand. I think this movie is kind of maybe come down in a lot of people's minds and probably in mine too. There was a period of time in, you know, probably the mid two thousands where this thing was on TV all the time. Everybody was watching it. People were quoting it. It was kind of, and it was really held up in a big, to a big esteem as being like this really great movie. And then, you know, the Brian Singer allegations hit and the Kevin Spacey allegations hit and, you know, they stopped putting it on TV all the time and people stopped talking about it. And I think, I think it's a good movie. I think it's really, it's a really tight screenplay. It's really well written. It's very well edited. 
Um, I don't even know who, who did the edit on it. Uh, let me take a look. John Ottman. Okay, John Ottman did the edit on it. Um, he did, uh, he did, he's worked with Singer before. He did a bunch of the X-Men. He did maybe all the X-Men movies. Um, he won the, he won the Oscar for, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, yeah, so he's worked with Singer a lot. It's really well edited. Um, and it's really, really well acted. These guys are at the top of their game. All of them. Yeah, Spacey, but all of them. Uh, Gary Byrne, you know, even such a small part for Del Toro. These guys are all really, really, really good at what they're doing here. Um, so, yeah, I would, look, I recommend this movie. I would, if you haven't seen this movie in a while, I would give it a watch and, and take a look at it and see what you think about it. I thought it was really good. And I did enjoy rewatching it. Once you get past the scene with Kevin Spacey on screen, if you know, if if you're aware of what's going on, um, and you just sink into his performance, he is amazing in this movie. Um, he is really, really good in this film. And, in, and you know, and in fact, he won he won the Oscar for this. Um, he won Best Supporting Actor. So, and I think Macquarie, um, Macquarie won uh, for Best Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay, which he, I think he deserved. It's such a great screenplay. It's so tight. Um, as far as, you know, reviews go on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this is holding 88% based on 81 reviews, which is pretty good. Um, their consensus is expertly shot and edited. The usual suspects gives the audience a simple plot and then piles on labor layers of deceit, twist and violence before pulling the rug out from underneath. Uh, my go-to guy, um, for, you know, my whole adult life in terms of, uh, reviews while he was alive, Roger Ebert did not like this film. Um, he gave it one and a half stars. He said, um... To the degree that I do understand, I don't care. He thought the plot was um, kind of confusing and just took too much work to get into. I kind of disagree with Roger on that one. The one thing I'll I'll say about it kind of in closing is that I think the title is interesting in that, you know, the usual suspects, at least when it comes to Casablanca, kind of refers to this idea that it's kind of this twofold thing, right? It's like this idea that they will bring in like this group of people to do a lineup as just kind of a pro forma exercise, which is basically what happens at the beginning of this movie. But also there's this idea that, you know, they're going to be bringing in like colorful characters who are going to be interesting. And that's what this movie is. Um, you know, movies typically have like a big star and then, or, or two, and then a bunch of interesting character actors. Orson Welles famously said that all great actors are character actors. And this film really kind of puts that out there. You know, these are a bunch of actors who are doing great character work and really getting us interested in who these people are. And that makes them more colorful and more interesting than, you know, one guy, 
that the camera's on 90% of the time. And so I found this movie really interesting. I think you should watch it and if you haven't seen it. And, uh, and that's it. And thank you for listening. Um, I spun the wheel for, for next time. Uh, 1992, and I'm going to go through some movies, and I will be letting you know uh, what's coming up. Thanks. Thanks.